All right. Uh, welcome to Romero Records Podcast. Today we have on Matt Qualls. How's it going? Good, man. Thank you for having me. This is a joy and a pleasure, no doubt. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, uh, finally got you on. <laughs> I know, man. I know. Yeah. I know. I've been really, really busy with the new studio and stuff, and it's really... It's time-consuming being a one-man show over there. Yeah. I mean, Zoe is obviously helping out, too, a lot, but I'm pretty much coordinating a lot of the stuff at this point, too. But we'll you know, we'll get there eventually to yeah. where it's a little bit more uh, structured and organized. Because right now, it's just like kind of who's in my network, really. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm not really like out there with a website and promoting and stuff. So. Oh, okay. But even that is like been busy enough. So it's kind of difficult to stay on top of all the stuff as just one person. Yeah. So you were at sun like full time before, or you were at, no, where? no, 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 no. I've never worked. Um, I've never been on staff at sun. Okay. I've only, I've only worked at sun as like a freelance, uh, uh-huh. kind of guy like Crockett hall, who is the main engineer engineer there at sun. Yeah. He basically roped me in once he became the main engineer oh. to help him on sessions. And we we, we like completely, like from square one, redid the room in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think since then it's been really changed up much. But there's a couple things in there that we could improve upon. But I've been helping him, you know, with a lot of the technical stuff at that studio. And then, yeah. like, anytime there's ever, like, a lot of people coming in... He'll throw me the session to, to come in and help him out and assist him. Like there was a session we did with uh, Reverend Peyton and his big damn band. They're like this bluegrass kind of Americana country band from, mm-hmm. I believe, North Carolina or somewhere up there. And uh, Steve Cropper came in on that and played. And so he was like, you should definitely be here for that. And it was pretty funny Like when Steve Cropper asked to have his guitar solo edited. He he was like, yeah, can you fly this part over here and blah 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 blah, and everybody just kind of like looked over at me slowly. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I guess I guess I'm about to chop up Steve Cropper's guitar solo. That's wild. And the first time I did it, I fucked it up, and he was like, no, that's not it. And I was like, all right, let me start over. And I did it again. He was like, that's perfect. Nice. So, but Sun is Sun's amazing, man. But I've worked at. Um, actually, I've always been freelance. Okay. I've always come from a DIY place. I've never specifically like been. I mean, I have been on staff at Young Avenue Sound for three years when I moved back to Memphis. Mm. But beyond that, I haven't been on staff in any studios. But I've worked at Ardent. I've worked at Sun. I've worked at Sam Phillips. I've worked at Young Ave, and then now Doug's Doug Easley's studio. Um, I've worked at Memphis Magnetic. Um, I think that's about it in Memphis. And then I've worked a couple other studios around the country, too. Now, are you from here? Yeah, born and raised. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's yeah, it. but I moved away in 2015. Oh, Yeah, okay. I was, like, really getting my wheels going at Ardent. And then I moved away with an ex-girlfriend to California. And when I was living out there, <clears throat> I got roped into a studio situation with this guy named Sam Pura, who was a friend of mine from my, my touring days back in the day. And uh, I worked for him for, like, a couple months. And then I worked for a guy in L.A. for a while and then ultimately left California and moved to New Mexico because it was just too expensive to stay there. Yeah. Like the amount of money you need to make to live in San Francisco is fucked up. <laughs> like it really is. <laughs> That's like, crazy. I, th- I want to say at the time when we left, 
Like the bare minimum was a hundred and twenty thousand. Dang. Like as an individual. Oh my god. To be able to support yourself there. Yeah. That is insane. Like below that is considered poverty level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was fucked up. <laughs> like oh my a one god. bedroom apartment was average thirty five hundred to four thousand dollars a month. For oh real. Oh my god. Yeah. It was crazy, dude. Yeah. Dude, so I can never. We left LA. We looked at LA for a little while, um, and I had a homie who was who ran a studio there called All Welcome Records. Mm. Uh, Felipe Navarro Delgadillo. That's the guy. He's cool. He had a really sweet studio, but um, there was just wasn't enough work like coming into his studio to to be able to get me like comfortable living mm. in LA. Yeah, and so that ultimately led to. My ex and I moved into New Mexico, which was like a whole other, like, kind of just like this weird sideways um, in in my life. But it was, like, amazing. There was a, I didn't do a ton of work there, studio-wise, but mm. what I gained experience-wise and in my life, I cherish heavily. I feel like it changed me as a person fundamentally in so many ways. Mm. But we moved, moved back to Memphis in 2018, mm. the tail end. So basically 2019. And uh, started working for Young Avenue Sound. And then once they sold the building over there, everything changed. And so I was basically, now I wouldn't say pushed out, but like they were kind of like politely were like, we're selling the building. We're kind of stripping back. We don't really know what the future holds. Mm. And that scares me. So I went immediately and started looking for other places to work. Yeah. And found Doug Easley. And that's now where I'm at. Okay, so I actually don't know who Doug is. So Doug is a guy who, in the '90s and 2000s, and in the early, like late '80s, he uh, he had a home studio that kind of like grew and built into um, what is now American Studio. Because mm. previously, I want to say it was built out by RCA or another label. It was okay. definitely built by a label to be a purpose-built studio, and I think it was one of the first ones in Memphis. That was like a purpose-built studio. Hmm. And so in the what 90s... Mean, like purpose-built? Like <clears throat> um, the building was purpose-built to be a recording studio. Oh, it wasn't okay. already a, another type of... Like Sun Studio was already a building before Sam Phillips moved in there to oh. like make that a recording studio. Royal Studios is the same way. Um, and I want to say... I want to say that American, what is now American, I forget what it was called then, was the first one in the city. Hmm. So it was like... Built with the intention of it sounding great. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the live room in there was made to be, like, the shit, basically. Yeah. And so, in the 90s, apparently it was dilapidated and nobody was using it. And then Doug Easley and this guy named Davis McCain partnered up and moved into that place and then just started running sessions over there. Built a studio. Doug had already had, like, a lot of equipment already. So, they just kind of, like... Moved out of the house, graduated into a purpose-built space, and then after that, they uh, they were there for probably fuck I don't know twenty years or something like that. And he mm. recorded there. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, over there he recorded the White Stripes. He recorded uh, Jeff Buckley. He recorded uh, Wilco, Sonic Youth, Pavement, Cat Power. Doug toured with with Cat Power for a while. Um, Loretta Lynn, Jack White mixed Loretta Lynn's um, like comeback record over there okay. in like the early 2000s. 
bunch of other people, like a bunch of other underground, cool, like indie bands and shit. And then he had a fire in 2007, I think. Mm. And then after that, that building was just kind of like toast. So, and he he was like, (laughs) I'm not fucking rebuilding this. So they took all the equipment out he refurbished what he could. And then now he's in the studio out like off Park Avenue, kind of in the Orange Mound, um, that's owned by this guy named Sean Faust. And so Sean Faust and Doug Easley and Davis McCain all partnered up and that's now where the studio is. And this studio was like that it's in now was built to be a studio too. Oh, okay. So it's a, it's a really cool room. It's like one big live room. There's three booths, um, tons of good mics, tons of awesome outboard gear, like the creme de la creme of mics, honestly, like some serious mics. It's, it's really, really great. Um, and Doug is super cool. Doug is like, he's like a mad scientist. You know what I mean? Like he's <laughs> yeah, been, yeah. he's been working on these old universal audio preamps that he's got. Mm. So there's just like shit everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And every time I come back, like, like when I left to come here, I was like, all right, Doug, I'll see you later, man. And he's like, all right, what time, what time are you in tomorrow? And I was like, sometime between 10 and 11, probably. And I, I peek back there and he's got these magnifying glasses on that are like illuminate what he's looking at. And he's just like soldering away, you oh know, just like goodness. doing the whole thing. But um, that's where I'm at now. So, so it's been it's been a weird kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, zigzag of working in a bunch of different studios. Because unfortunately, the music industry is volatile, man. It is. You know, everything is changing. Whether it's the format we're listening on, mm-hmm. or who's in control of what how much money is coming in you know what i mean like those are always fluctuating and it's crazy now that like vinyl is making the resurgence that it's made did you um <clears throat> well actually i'm pretty sure you didn't go there because i went but uh-huh. um what's his name matt rossbang and uh jeff powell yeah you went to that last night i did yeah cool or I, two nights ago yeah i was sitting next to victoria downey cool yeah didn't yeah. even know it was her. Oh, like, hilarious! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because uh, that's I, awesome. Man. I figured it out, and I meant to message her. Yeah, uh, when, when I figured it out, but yeah, Victoria's great, man. She was she walked up to Matt at the yeah. end, and she was like, "Hey, I'm um, uh, Crockett's girlfriend," and I was cool. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it clicked in my head, and I meant to say something, but I completely forgot because yeah. I've never met her, and never talked to her before. She's super sweet, man. But She's yeah, that was sweet. that was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, that was great. They. Yeah, you know, they gave tons of information about vinyl. Yeah, and I think Jeff said that they're like, I want to say the world um, back order totals yeah. like two hundred and fifty million records or yeah. something like that. That's yeah, like the yeah. world total, and I was like, dear God. Yeah, it's like a twelve month turnaround right now, or some bullshit like that. And, and for people who are listening who don't realize, like, yeah, vinyl is has surpassed CDs. For like, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and I want to say that it's almost at par with like digital sales. That's like, insane. Like not streaming, but digital sales, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, which is fucking crazy. Like, have you seen that video of Jack White pleading for Universal, Sony, mm-hmm. and what's the other one? There's like another large label. Warner? Yes, Warner. And he's saying, please make your own pressing plants. He's like, the oh. world cannot keep up with this shit. You have to like make your own pressing plants because a punk band from wherever can't even get their yeah. vinyl made from a year from now. Yeah. And it's like, who has the time for that shit? You know? So I'm so confused <clears throat> on how there aren't just more pressing plants. 
Like so it, apparently there was no the the actual mechanisms that are the presses. Yeah, there's only a finite amount of them ever made up until now. MRP and I, I think they're one of the first. I don't know. I don't want to speak you know uh, wrongly about that. But I know that MRP, Memphis Record Pressing, has newer digital automated presses now. Oh. So somebody out there, or maybe a couple of people, are making presses again. So mm. what used to be, it was really hard mm. to find the presses. Like I think when MRP opened, they sourced out a lot of their presses from somewhere in the Midwest. Mm. That was like, it used to be from some old record pressing. They were out of commission, and they put in a bunch of time and effort to rebuild them and then now that these digitally automated ones are in the in the building they they apparently have parked all the old ones oh. so but they're they have a seven million dollar expansion happening soon that's crazy and so there's going to be a ton of record pressing going on in there like yeah. a lot the the thing to me is that you would think that people would know about this because i mean wherever money is that's where people who have money are going to go to yeah and if they think that you know you can make money off of this i would think that somebody would have created a lot more of these and or yeah 3d print them i don't know if that's a thing but maybe maybe one day there are other ways for sure that aren't the typical route Mm -hmm. but basically what they are are acetate cuts and like or like a presto cut, which is what they used to do in the 50s, which was like an instant. The lacquer is what goes to Jeff Powell, and then he takes that lacquer and then makes, or maybe he, maybe he, cre- no, he creates the lacquer. I'm sorry. Mm. So you give your files to Jeff. Jeff creates the lacquer. The lacquer then goes to the stamping facility, the pressing plant, and then they make the copies off of the lacquer. Yeah. But the lacquer only has a certain amount of plays, and over time the grooves will fill in, like fill in, because it's some sort of malleable surface. Yeah. So there is a way to do it, and there are people out there that do small batch uh, cuts mm. like that. But I don't know what the quality is like or anything like that. And you really only can, I mean, it the time it takes to cut it is the time it takes to listen to the record. Yeah. Because it's it's literally rotating. Yeah. Whereas like a pressing plant. They can make a stamp out of. They can take the stampers and the plates, and mush the puck of vinyl together in like three seconds, mm. and then they trim the edges and it's done. Oh, so like okay. per unit, you're moving way more if you have a pressing plant versus the hand cut. Okay. And they're more expensive too. Like so, you lose a margin of profit, which is unfortunate. So Jack White is right. <laughs> like the the industry guys need to get that that shit going. Yeah. Because there aren't enough. I remember Jeff saying uh, <clears throat> something about a. Yeah, I'm gonna, <clears throat> thank you. Jeff was saying something about a a mother is what they call it. Yeah, and it's uh-huh. like that's that's you know a mother giving birth to other ones. Yeah, that's what you use to make the other ones. <laughs> he was telling a story. I don't remember who it was. It's like a very famous popular artist who like had a big hit. Mm-hmm. He said that. Um, some label had the mother and somebody came by and they accidentally like dropped it or, or yeah. knocked it over and shattered the mother. Yeah. So Jeff had to make another one. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I right. was like, oh my God. Right. I want to say there's a mother and a father yeah, to the yeah, process. There is, there I forget is. exactly what the process is, but yeah. He explained it, but yeah, I, I literally, so the funny thing is I'm at this mastering 
conference for vinyl. I've literally never heard vinyl in my life. Yeah. And they played it there. And I was like, oh, okay, this was... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The funny thing was, um, what's his name? Uh, Matt had... Um, he had... I think he had cut the song that was uh, that they were playing. Oh, cool. But um, the first time they played it, he said it, it, it did. It clearly sounded distorted. Yeah. And he was like... One sounds a little distorted. Can we try a different, uh, different uh, record? Yeah, yeah, a different record player. So they tried a different one, and it sounded much better. He's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, uh, okay, <laughs> yeah." So yeah, that's part of it too. Is like the record player itself. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's so much physicality to it. Actually, Jeff is the person who taught me. I do a little bit of vinyl mastering too. Basically, oh, okay. digital prep for vinyl. Nice. Like whenever. Whenever I'm digitally mastering a record, some some artists will ask for a vinyl master as well. And um, basically, I just take that digital master and kind of walk it back and prep it for the vinyl mm. thing. Because there's there's a couple things about the vinyl mastering that are different from the digital. You know, in the digital world, we want it to be as loud as possible, as full as possible, and just like wanging, you know? Mm. But with the vinyl, you can't really do that because the physical limitations of cutting the groove in the vinyl really come into play. Um, you can't have heavy, like low end on the sides. And especially you can't have heavy low end favor a side because that makes the needle jump out of the groove. Yeah. All that junk blew my mind. Yeah. I was like, you know, I've, I've only done digital music. Right. So the, he was like, yeah, you got to cut off the low end and, yep. and tame uh, the high end. Yeah. Tame high the high, I was like, what yeah. are you talking? <laughs> yeah. If you have too much, like, 3k to 8k you can like distort the that's crazy the cutting head or whatever and so like usually an eq has like 20k on that's like the yeah the that's like the highest that we perceive yeah. but what about vinyl like how far does it actually go uh probably like 18 or something maybe oh, okay. maybe i mean that's kind of probably the top top okay but it probably starts to roll off somewhere between 12 and, mm. and 14 probably okay maybe even sooner that's, i usually i usually start because when I do a master, I'll cut everything from between 60 and 80 hertz completely out. Okay. Typically 60. Because like 60 is like, that's that's audible yeah, yeah. on like NS10s and like should be audible like on a, on a vinyl record. Yeah. But <clears throat> everything below that, it's gone. And then mm. I'll DS the 3 to 8K. Okay. Like not, I don't EQ cut it or anything. I just literally DS it so that when it gets crazy strident... It kind of just pushes back, keeps it keeps it in check, mm. and then the top I roll off at like fourteen k or sixteen k. Okay, and that usually gets the job done because you don't want too much top end. You know, you're kind of like shrinking it in, yeah. and then you're doing this crazy thing with the low end where you're running it what's called through what's called an elliptical EQ, where mm. you take all the low end at say a hundred and hundred hertz or hundred and fifty hertz, and you're making it all mono, so there's no low end on the sides really. Oh, and that okay. ensures that the groove is like steady in the center, which is pretty mm. wild, you know. But yeah, it's just crazy that vinyl is making a comeback too. Like the industry, like it's just, and now the Atmos shit, like, yeah, like that's crazy. I know so many people that are getting into Atmos now, and I'm like, damn, am I, do I have to do that? <laughs> I'm like, I feel the shit, same dude. way. Like, I'm like, I struggle sometimes with just two speakers, yeah. dude. You know let, what me, I'm let me master stereo first. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, shit, y'all. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. But it's it's very interesting, and I definitely want to hear it. But I have I have no experience with any Atmos. You you visited Atmos room, right? 
I, so I went to um, what's it call it? Uh, Blackbird. Right. Yeah, I went to cool. Blackbird yeah. and um, and went to their Atmos room. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing, mm-hmm. uh, world class type Atmos room. Yeah. And I was like, this is just strange. Like to <laughs> really <laughs> to, yeah. like to be able to mix in this. Like the room is huge. Really. Like it's probably. I don't know, maybe twenty foot tall or something no like that, and then um, so they got speakers all the way up there. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're at the ceiling. So it's like a movie theater size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's okay. huge. I mean, but yeah, like, that seems crazy. The front to back is probably about as big as our downstairs. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just big. I don't know how wow. to explain it. And then just having the speakers everywhere, like I don't know. I I've just been mixing in like my bedroom at home, right? And then. Um, and then, like in here, mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's kind of weird to be in such a big room. Yeah, like I, I and have I, all this information all over yeah, the yeah. place it's, coming at you. Yeah, it's just sound everywhere. But yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can do it, do it. See, I don't even know like what's the context of that shit. You know what I'm saying? I've I've never heard music in an Atmos room. I mean, I've seen movies in Adobe Atmos Theater, but yeah. I feel like that's not the same. Yeah, I feel like when you're hearing music in that context, it's always kind of like everywhere yeah. you know what i mean it's not like the drums are here and the guitars here or whatever the fuck they do i don't even yeah. know what they do you know what I mean? <laughs> so so to everybody who doesn't know yeah um stereo is just basically two speakers like right. two sets and then when you have it's like double, your headphones the left and the right correct yeah, yeah left right channel well um mono is just one channel Right. And then um, for Dolby Atmos, what they usually do is a 7.1.4. I think four. Yeah. And then so what that means is you've got seven speakers, like tweeters. Yeah. And then you've got one sub, and then you have four like uh, ceiling type yeah. speakers. Right. Well, if you if you really think about it, like seven. <laughs> You've got seven speakers and then a sub and then four speakers over your head. That's, that's like more sound than you can really think about. Yeah. But kudos to people who can do it. That's, that's impressive. I, I mean, I definitely am very, very curious. And shout out to the homie Leo Goff. He has turned Studio B and Ardent, um, their old live room, which was basically like a lounge and like where Jody Stevens' drum set was always set up. And they had like a pinball machine and like some arcade games in there and shit. It was basically just like a, like uh, Studio B was purpose built for a, to be, or wait, it wasn't purpose built to be a mix room, but it eventually turned into that because mm. they have an SSL 4000 in there, I oh, believe, okay. or maybe it's a 6000. Either way, bitch an SSL, like huge. So okay. It's like 48 channels, I think. Dang. Yeah. Um, like as big as a Lincoln, basically. Um, <laughs> and he's turned the, the old live room into an Atmos room now. Mm. So he has somehow set it up in there and he's hit me up. He's like, dude, bring some stems over. Let's fuck with this shit. And I'm like, all right, give me, give me like a week. And I need to, I need to, I really need to do it. I've just been so fucking busy. I'm sure it's fun. I'm sure it is too. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and Ari Ari Morris is doing that too. He's mixing like, he makes that new little dirt track, uh, for Atmos too, but I haven't heard it and I haven't heard any special audio either Mm. with the Apple rendering. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know what that's about either. You know? So do you have any clue on what really special audio is? Like how it's, it's just Apple's proprietary render of Atmos for a binaural setup, meaning Mm. like you're wearing it in your head. So okay. it's like still the two ears, but it's somehow rendered, like digitally rendered to give a sense of space. Okay. Like is it just you. Apple? 
just Apple. That's oh, what okay. the special audio is. Yeah. So, so like you can only listen to special audio on Apple Music. Okay. Yeah. I also and on heard. AirPods. I also heard that you can only get true spatial audio from a wired connection. Like, oh, really? You like if you Bluetooth it, or if you, um, well, not 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 Bluetooth. If you, um, and I say wired, but I mean like if you, um, like playing it through, I guess like your like streaming car, or something, like your car speakers or something, or oh, okay, yeah, or something like I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's it's like <laughs> you don't get the true aspect of it, yeah, unless you're using like maybe like the AirPods, yeah, or um, or or uh, the AirPod Max, whatever. Like, yeah, there's like only Beats, AirPods, and like Sony headphones that are like special audio rendered, like oh, set okay. up to do that. Yeah. Like you can't just listen on any, like I think if you were to listen to special audio on normal headphones, it would mm. sound really weird. Okay. It would probably sound really phasey and like, you know, I, I mean, I'm not sure. I haven't even tried that. And I also think you can't get it if you just like connected your phone to some random Bluetooth speaker. Gotcha. That, that makes sense. That's yeah. What, that's what I think. It, that's it something like I heard. There's some kind of format. Yeah. Yeah. Hookup or something. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's it's fucking weird. It's all changing, and I'm over here just still rocking two speakers, man. You <laughs> are know? you are you only using Pro Tools? Uh, I use a little bit of Logic Pro. You use um, Logic, okay? Yeah. Uh, that's that was my first DAW actually was Logic Pro because nice. like I'm kind of late to the game like um. I got started with recording in about 2010 because in in 2005 I joined this band. They got signed to a label, mm. um, and then we got like pretty large advances to go make albums. Okay, so we did two records uh, in some studios where we spent a month in the studio. Dang! And so I got a it was a, that was like a boot camp in itself. Just mm. like even though I didn't ask any questions or like badger the producer or the engineer, I just watched mm. and just like via osmosis realized like. Oh shit! Okay, so they start with the drums, <laughs> and they're doing it to a metronome, and then they add the guitars, and then the bass, and then the vocal. I'm like, all right, shit, I can do this. Yeah, I'm like, shit, this is kind of. And then I was like, I thought it was all live or whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was yeah. like, just that broke a lot of barriers for me and like understanding how the process was done, and also seeing it from people who were literally getting paid like thirty grand to do the job. Yeah. So it was really cool, but through that process. I realized like touring is not what I wanted to do. Like it's just not who I am. A lot of people figure that out. Yeah. I did it for three years and realized after that, I was like, after about the third year, I was like, I don't know how much longevity is in this, you know? So, um, I took a backseat on that. And then, you know, coincidentally at the, around the same time that band that I was in went on hiatus so everybody was going back to college, mm. and I was like, I'm going to check out this recording thing. But I started with GarageBand. Okay. So I, I got a Mac Mini in like 2009, and then started fucking around with GarageBand, and then was recording my own like uh, my own band just for fun. Mm. And I had a bunch of guitar amps and like cabinets and speakers and just like shit that I didn't need. Mm. So I sold all of it and then bought like that Mac Mini. Um, couple of microphones and like a Personas Firewire interface, dude. Nice. You know, just like the basic shit. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, just jumped into Logic Pro. Excuse me. My neighbor to my duplex, Drew Ryan, shout out to Drew fucking Ryan. Love you, bro. <laughs> that dude, one of the coolest motherfuckers ever. One of the best graphic designers, visual artists, like artists in general, and then sick-ass drummer. Um, 
his band just put out a record recently that has been doing super well, deservedly, deservedly, because they are incredible. They're called Courtesy. Uh, the record's called Check the Milk. Check it out. It's the shit. Check okay. the milk. Yeah, I'm plugging <laughs> it. Kirk Rawlings and Drew Ryan, my, my guys. Um, so, but Drew had a copy of Logic Pro, and he was fucking around with it over there, and I, and I was like, oh, man, that looks sweet. And he's like, I'll give you the, the license. So he gave me the license, and we mm. shared it, and I couldn't get on. We couldn't, like, get on the Wi-Fi uh, if we were both using it because it would, like, like what Like, well, Luna. I just found out yeah. with Luna. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like, we couldn't get on Wi-Fi, so, like, we had to, like, figure it out, you know. But eventually I bought a copy of Logic and started using that. And then I really didn't start with Pro Tools until I started working at Ardent because over there they have Pro Tools pretty much exclusively in all the, in all the rooms, mm. like uh, HD systems and shit. Okay. So I got a hard boot camp lesson on how to use Pro Tools by even just working there. Yeah. You know, because I was very savvy with Logic, but I didn't know much about Pro Tools. Mm. And then w- once I got the end over the working over there, that's that just became like the standard. And then really when I lived in California too, working with Sam Pura, like he put me onto a lot of shit about Pro Tools that I wasn't aware of. Because the way he makes records is completely different to the way anybody that I know in Memphis makes records. Like mm. he is very computer heavy. Okay. And he probably would hate that I said that. <laughs> but it's true. Um So what do you mean by that? Like uh, he uses a lot of beat detective on drums, so okay. he gets in there and chops the shit up, makes it slap to the grid, like a like, like a trigger or something like that. Have no, you, no, no. Know? Like he's like, um, say you're a drummer going do ba do ba ba do do ba do ba ba, and the metronome is like this. Mm. He goes in there using the metronome and the grid, and beat detective, the program within uh, the within Pro Tools, cuts up all those hits. And then slu- like scoots them into the to the grid so that like quantizes quantizes that okay. yeah so that every hit is exactly in line mm. with the metronome so he does stuff like that not all the time but I've seen him do it a lot and then I've seen him use like auto tune on the bass mm. and like just random stuff like that it's just very I've never heard that auto tune on the bass yeah on a bass di mm-hmm. hmm. yeah. To keep it in super pitch. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's very crazy. It's like, that's not some shit I would do ever. That's wild. You know what I mean? Unless, like, there was a note that was out of tune and you want to push it in. Yeah, yeah. You can totally melodyne it or whatever. Or use, you can even yeah. use auto tune. But um, it was just a completely different approach. Mm-hmm. Like, Memphis, like, we're kind of like slack jawed and like, <laughs> we're a little like on the ignorant side. Yeah, like, yeah. we're like, you gonna use a click track, man? <laughs> are you a fucking loser? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? So like to come yeah. from because that's the that's the mentality at Ardent. Yeah, they're like, man, play it. Mm. Like, you're you're the fucker that wrote it. Mm. Play that shit. You yeah. know what I mean? And then going to work with him, it was more like, okay, I see what you're playing. Now let's make it the the tightest version of that. Mm. And like what what I can kind of equate to what he was doing is more of like. Uh, kind of like manufacturing music. Okay. Whereas like my approach was more about like recording artists and, yeah, yeah. and their like um in their most raw state. You mm. know what I mean? Like that was what I was into. And I like love that I learned all that shit from Sam because I still apply some of those things today. And I'm glad that I have those skill sets in my tool bag because every now and again I need to auto-tune something or every now and again I need to like heavily edit a performance. Like earlier today I was doing this metal record where there was just like this slight flam thing between the kick and the snare 
And like, if I didn't know how to do that, yeah. you know, it might yeah. not, might not have, I might not have been able to successfully edit it or it just would have sounded weird. Mm. So all that being said, I learned a lot about Pro Tools from that dude. Yeah. A so lot. how heavy are you on um, doing um, analog gear compared to like plugins and stuff? Because I, I think most, most of us engineers or, or producers, like we love plugins. We love to just play with different, because like plugins are like, um, toys to a kid you yeah know, you, you get something that you can play around and do stuff different are you are you heavy into plugins or are you just like ah, i just like my analog gear and i'm done no i'm super into both okay yeah um i would say it's probably a hybrid approach where like when we're recording like if i'm recording a band recording a drum kit recording bass recording guitar vocals whatever the fuck it might be um I'm heavily engineering the shit out of it on mm. the way in with analog equipment. Okay. I want to kind of capture the character through the chain that I've built or mic pre's that I've selected or whatever it might be. So I'm super into that. I'm not afraid to like go deep on committing compression, committing EQ, like that shit. I love that stuff. Okay. Because I want it to, like I want that, I, that stuff's there. Why not use, use it? it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and if it gets the job closer to finished, then fuck yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? If I'm in there listening and I'm like, ooh, these overheads need a little, little 10K or 12K. I can just like hit the EQ and it's there. Like, oh shit, I want to compress the hell out of that room mic. Oh, I want to compress the shit out of that vocal. Oh, whatever. I'll just do it, you know? Mm. Um, so I'm not afraid to use analog equipment on the front end. I'll build, you can ask Zoe, I'll build crazy chains like the patch bay looks like a fucking bomb went off you know <laughs> like it's it's pretty wild uh and like i love using real effects too like okay. i love recording with effects that's been something i've been doing a lot more lately and um are we talking vocals or instruments or both anything okay like something i've been doing a lot lately with the drums is i'll do a trash mic in there that's kind of like in the middle of all of the drums so like say Say this right here is like the the back side of the drum, the bass drum, mm. and then the snares kind of right here. Tom, Tom. I'm sticking a mic kind of in between over that bass drum hoop at the snare, but it's also getting a little bit of the toms, getting a little bit of the bass drum and mm. the cymbals. And then I'll put that through like a delay oh. or like a distortion box or something like that. Yeah. And then I'll just blend that in with like my close mics and my, you know, nice like room sound mics and stuff. And it's just like a little bit of the ugly with the beautiful. Mm. And then like specifically with vocals, I'll run delays. I'll run um, reverbs and stuff like that live because I want the singer to kind of like, I don't want them to imagine what it's going to sound like. I'd rather them know then and there, like this is what we're doing. Yeah. And I'll always have a clean vocal mic sound, mm. but I'll sneak in, you know, a delay or like sometimes I'll do a distortion mm. and then sometimes I'll do two reverbs, you know what I mean? And just have all that. I mean, I'm recording like five different tracks at once, but it's nothing too crazy. You know what I mean? I'm not like, I don't get super crazy with vocal punches and comps and stuff like that. I definitely don't record people bar for bar. Like I'm like, sing the verse, yeah, yeah. sing the chorus. If we need to punch, we'll punch, but yeah. I much prefer performances like that. To me, like, I think rapping is okay like that. Bar for bar, no doubt. But yeah, singing, sure. singing's like this. Yeah. 
I don't know. I feel like it should be it's done. It's a movement. Yeah. yeah I totally. feel like it should definitely be done, like, all in one take. I mean, maybe not the whole thing, but, like, a good portion. Because, like, singing is so, so emotional. I feel right. Like. So, I don't know. I mean, rapping is too, but it's, I feel like it's just different. It's just different. And, like, I always ask people what's their preferred way, mm-hmm. you know, before we start. Like, do you want to go bar for bar? Do you want to go line for line? Do you want to go... Like the whole thing. Do you want to do the whole fucking song and then come back? You know, some people want to do that. Yeah. So it's really like whatever the artist wants to do. But I definitely like to lean into the analog shit on the way in. Mm. But then once it's in there, I don't really fuck with it. Mm. Like I do not like, I don't mix on a console. I don't mix with any, like the, the most outboard equipment that I'll use is sometimes I'll print through stuff if I feel like, Oh, I feel like this could get me closer to this thing. Mm. If a plug-in can't get me there, that's when I lean on, you know, the real stuff. And like the only real analog piece that I use lately is just a tape machine on the on the final two track, you know? I'll print it to tape and yeah. then fly it back in and then print that back. So to get kind of that like finished I don't know, it just is like a nicer riser basically. It just yeah. sounds better. You know, it sounds a little bit more like, and that's actually not always better. Sometimes it's not the sound. Sometimes it gets too like smeared or the low end gets a little lost or something. But um, I'm pretty heavy on keeping it in the box once I'm in the box. Okay. And I have like a mix template that I use and I lean heavily on like UAD plugins. Yeah. Um, And then there's a couple other like Waves plugins that I really use a lot, but a lot of UAD shit. Like yeah. a ton. Yeah, that's that's how I am. Like I pretty much use like Fab Filter. Yeah. And same. Fab filter and UAD and yeah. I'm almost done. And like, sound toys. Yeah. Oh yeah, sound toys, yeah. I love the sound toy shit. Like I, I'm a little upset that I don't do more um like cause when I do music, I'm usually just mixing uh, I've got a friend who raps, he's from he lives in Dallas and yeah. uh, four sixteen D D. Mm-hmm. But um he he'll send me his his vocals and I'll mix them for him. Yeah. But um like other than that, I'm just doing like mine and his and yeah. That, like that's it. So like for sound toys, I'm using like Echo Boy, Little Alter Boy. Yeah, totally, man. And that's about it. I yeah. wish I did more instruments just so I could play with those. Totally, you know, man. But I I bought it because yeah. uh, I I had a good discount on it. But totally. also, I was like, I gotta have the tools. You know what I mean? Like I gotta have these in case. Like what if somebody was like, Hey, can you do this? And I'm yes. like, Dang, now I gotta go buy this. But nope, I've already got it. Totally, man. (laughs) I love the sound toy shit, man. I love Decapitator and um, Pro Tip. Everybody listening? (laughs) Uh, If you're into uh, the Devil Lock, which is like their Sure Levelor, like it's a distortion box, basically. Yeah. That thing is awesome, but it adds a ton of gain to the Mm -hmm. signal, so you can get real crazy real fast. Put use the effect rack plugin okay. and then throw the devil lock in that. And then you have a control on the input and the output and you have a blend knob. Oh so snap. you can you can blend in. Cause like I love that plugin for getting vocals to sound like they're going through a PA. So it's like a dry wet type. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then you control the the level too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you get like a little bit more control with that. Because the devil lock can be a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. But it's sick. That's one of my favorites. Drums, 
on that is like the shit mm. vocals. It's like one of my favorite for vocals, man. I'll That's put a dope. I'll put a bus up. Like I'll send to I'll send the lead vocal through a bus, and on that, I'll put the double or I'll put the effect rack, run the double lock, and just squeeze it out real hard, and then blend that in. And that's like, that gets it that like kind of like clean and airy, but then also that pushed like PA kind of low mid, where it's just like really like kind of thing happening under under the belly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It just like re re uh, it like makes it firmer, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not compression. You know what I mean? And it gives it some tone too. But I I love man, I love all those plugins, dude. Sound Toys is the shit. Sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> so so we've Same talked about Same with y'all UAD sponsor me too. Yeah, for real. For real. <laughs> for real. <laughs> Did you see they got something coming out new that Spark? Uh-uh. I don't know what it is, but they've got something new coming out on the A 30th. new product? Yeah. They're horrible about yeah, announcements. Yeah, yeah. Their announcements yeah. are the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they um they hyped up that announcement. I think it was last year. Yeah, is it last year or during COVID, like twenty twenty? And for Luna, uh, it no, it wasn't for Luna. It was uh-huh. the pedals. Oh yeah, you yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah. I do. They yeah. hyped it, and I was like, "Oh, we're about to get something crazy." And it was and just they, guitar pedals. It was, yeah. it was pedals. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh my god!" I remember when Luna dropped, and they were like hyping that big time, and I was like, "Damn, what what are they gonna do? What is this?" Yeah. And then it was their DAW, and I was like, "Oh, that's fucking cool." Yeah. And I've tried to record in Luna. Actually, I recorded Oakwalker, Victoria Dowdy's group. Okay. Um, I, we started it in Luna, and then I was like, "Fuck this! I'm going to Pro Tools." Yeah. Because I was moving too slow. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? I felt like, I felt like, I, like I couldn't find my shit. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I'm yeah, like yeah. looking all around everywhere, yeah. and uh, but I do love the concept and the idea, and what I really want UAD to do is fucking integrate the physical world and the digital world mm. because that's something they don't do yet. Yeah, yeah. Like on a heavy basis, but like. Imagine UAD, a UAD console yes. or a UAD control surface yes. that has like the Neve 1073 Unison on it. Yeah. Like I would fucking love that. Yeah. As like a mobile setup or something, like anything, even as in a, in a studio studio. I so, you know, we, we got the, um, the SSL UF8 downstairs. Uh-huh. Is that, that's the control surface? You yeah. Have? Yeah. They made that compatible with Luna. Word. But... I still agree with you. Yeah. Like, they need to make, like, I don't know, like a 16 or 8 channel yeah. thing where, you know, like, so on the UF8, it's got, like, a mini, like, a, I guess it's LCD screen. Yeah. Where you can see, like, what channel you're on and whatever. Right. That would be sick if it was, like, console. Right. Right in front of you. And yes. And you could see, like, all right, I want to, oh, like, if they had it, like, the Slate Raven. Yes. Where you could just, like basically touch and be like, all right, I want that plug in for unison and I want these for my inserts, this for my bus. Yes. Like that would be nasty. That would be dope, right? Yeah. <laughs> that would be They're nasty. probably already on it. They're probably ten years in the yeah. fucking making that <laughs> shit. And they and no one has said anything. Yeah. Matt Rossbang, if you know, tell us. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Dude, they've been so they have these great ideas, but they don't really execute them the way they should. And yeah. it's for me, like when you're a company like UAD. Yeah. Take your time. Like, yeah. you've been in the game for so long. Totally. Take your time and do it right. Well, like yeah. with Luna, I feel like they rushed it. Yeah. They put it out there. Yeah. And yeah, it was okay. And uh, I don't know. Do you know Drew from UA? It's Drew? a Facebook thing. So, oh, I don't yeah. Know Facebook. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> on Facebook. That um, shit's terrible for you. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> um, what's his name? Oh, Drew. Drew is 
he works as I guess support okay. for for Universal Audio. Yeah. But if you're in one of the UA Facebook groups, mm-hmm. then all you have to do is like tag him in a post and he'll respond. Like Word. He, he okay. works That's directly cool. for UA. Yeah, yeah, cool. And uh some people are like, Luna doesn't have this, Luna doesn't have that. He's like, guys, it's two years old. Yeah. Chill out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of sure. funny. But for in sure. my opinion though, it's still twenty twenty two. Yeah. Like all you had to do was copy Pro Tools. <laughs> yeah. And you, like, take Pro Tools, roll it up in a little fucking doobie, and smoke it, man. Yes. Like, just, like, come out with something that's harder. But I get it. I totally get it. And, like, when they came out with that idea, I was like, oh, that's awesome, because I, I would love to get away from Pro Tools. Not that I hate Pro Tools. I just feel like... You have to pay for Pro Tools. Luna is free. Yeah, exactly. It's expensive to keep up with, especially if you're using HD. Yeah. Like, that's expensive. Uh, I don't use HD. I don't really care. <laughs> you, I don't know. Like the latency with Thunderbolt and shit yeah. is like fine enough, dude. And honestly, <laughs> I have an, like we have analog Q sends at the studio, so it's like if we really need to, we can do we can mm. use that. Um, it's just when you're overdubbing, that's when it gets weird. But yeah. I haven't had any issues on a non HD system yet. I haven't had zero complaints, so I feel like there's no reason really for me to jump up to HD. But I would love to get away, and you know, because $30 a month is still $30 a month. Yes. If you're paying for the subscription, if you bought it outright, that's cool. But like, I don't, I don't have the capital to just throw down and buy that shit up off, off hand because I'm, I'm buying other stuff. You know what I mean? I had to buy my computer, had to buy an interface, had to buy all these mics, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's, it's difficult to keep up with. And I would love, I love to like chop off the fucking bullshit and mm-hmm. like cut fat when I don't need it. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's why I love UAD too because like I feel like bang for the buck you're getting really good quality tools, man. Yeah. Like they I, are expensive but yeah. God, dude, like the UAD Helios EQ that I use like religiously on so many different things, like to buy that EQ, to buy one of them is like $1,000 mm. and I probably paid $150 for the digital yeah. version. And the digital version sounds pretty fucking good. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, for what you're getting, I feel like it's no-brainer to go with that company. Yeah. I, I've I've been messing with Slate stuff, and yeah. I've slowly like realized the difference between UA and Slate. Yeah. Like, I literally took um, the, I think Slate just calls it their F, FG2A for Fabricio Gabriel 2A. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Um, I used their uh, that version and then the LA2A. Yeah. And I put it at the exact same settings. Yeah. And the FG or the Slate version sounded like crap. Really? And the UA sounds amazing as always. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's the difference. Like, it I know is. they're built different. You know, they've got two different programmers programming these things. Totally. But yeah. the point is to get as close to the original thing. Yeah. And and to have settings and we in the LA two way from Teletronics is the original, you know, UA. So right. if 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 uh, Slate can't get close to that with the exact same settings, then I'm not I'm not happy with it. Yeah. And then also um waves as like right. I think waves stuff sounds pretty good, but you get what you pay for. Like yeah. waves plugins are like twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. So I mean there's certain wave stuff that I've used that I liked, but when it comes to like Emulations of classic gear. I feel like UAD does the best. The best. Like that. There's the one LA2A they have. The silver one. Mm -hmm. It's like they have the gray, the silver, and then just the 2A. Yeah, they've got the 2A. Yeah. Then they also have, have you tried the LA3A? 
No, I haven't tried their 3A. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you try it. I've got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I haven't tried. I've never actually used an analog one of those either. An uh, LA 3A or anything. I've never. Uh, I think I've seen some pictures yeah. of some like on Instagram or something. But Yeah. I've used a couple LA 2As. The old ones are like unreal sounding, dude. Really? Man, like they're one of the, those things where you put it on the insert and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> like that sounds awesome now. And it's not even doing compression. It just has the tone. Yeah. You know? The newer ones are cool, but I really don't use them as, as mm. much. But that LA2A Silver plugin, yeah, kind of has the same vibe as like the old school ones, in my opinion. Okay. Where when you put it on, you're like, it sounds better now. I don't know why, <laughs> but it sounds better. It sounds classier. It just sounds more like robust or something, yeah. you know. But um, I love plugins. I use them every fucking day. Yeah, like I don't, I can't mix on a console anymore. I used to. I used mm. to have an Allen Heath mixer that I mixed on, and. Uh, it just became too much having like clients get back to me and having notes mm. like to be able to maintain a steady work environment and be able to like put food on the table and shit. I basically had to move the in the box because it was too slow to keep everything on a console. Mm. I couldn't get artists to make decisions in due time. And that puts me back on mixing Oh yeah, because I can't, mix until i can start over yeah you know so i would have to leave the board the way that it was because there's no automation <laughs> on it you know what i'm saying so it's yeah. like all right the mix is done listen to listen tonight and tomorrow and get back to me asap and then it'd be like five days and i'm like hammering being like what the fuck's going on you know and it's just like that drove me crazy and that's <clears throat> when i was working ardent there was a moment where i had the realization i don't need all this badass equipment in mm. the analog form anymore. Yeah. And I, it was because I was I was making this record with this band, The Dirty Streets. Um, the album is called White Horse. Um, we recorded it at Ardent in Studio C and uh, over like a week's time or something. And then Ardent's really sick because they have an SSL duality in that room. Mm. And it's 48 channels. So you... And I, like, who the fuck is recording 48 channels? Nobody. Well, actually, <laughs> I know somebody... Recently, I assisted someone who had like 30-something. And oh, it was pretty man. wild. I was like, this is nuts. <laughs> but anyway, so with Dirty Streets, I mean, we probably had four or five mics for the drums. Maybe two for the bass. Maybe two for the guitars. But we're committing shit. We're you know, summing stuff down. Yeah. We're doing it very old school. So there's not a heavy track count. And then, like, one of the cool things about that room is that you can run it in split mode, meaning yep. that console, <laughs> that yeah, tequila's that, getting you. That had a bite to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good tequila. I'm, I'm into <laughs> it. Um, but you can run the board in split mode, meaning you can channels 1 through 24 are your inputs mm. to Pro Tools. 25 through 48 are mirrored playback channels. Okay. So 1 and 25 are the same. This is going, this is where the mic is coming in. You have some EQ. Maybe you're putting a compressor in the circuit or something, you know? Um, and then this is where all your headphone send shit comes from. Mm. It's all this side. And so this side, the faders are flat, kind of at zero or maybe a little under if you're gain staging hot, whatever is going on. That stays static. That's going into Pro Tools. Mm. And then this side is what's returning and then feeding out to the speakers. Okay. So the whole time we were working, I was building a mix. Mm. Like I was like inserting shit on the drums, like bussing them into a channel, 
whatever, doing parallel stuff, like making commitments already. Yeah, yeah. So by the end of that week, the mix was kind of already there. And so I think we spent two days mixing in the studio. We mixed it all analog, used Fairchild's, Pultex, 1176's, Stay Levels, like Dang. all the shit. You know, like, <laughs> That's wild. I'll, I'll send you some photos. That's I took wild. some photos, and it's, it's insane. So we mixed the record. It was sounding awesome in the room. Everybody's loving it. We're like, fuck yeah, I think this is done. And then I moved to California the next week. Oh. So and we're like, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. <laughs> and if I have to do a recall mix... It's not going to be in Memphis. It's yeah. going to be out here, which yeah. is kind of scary, or in L.A. So we ended up taking some time. You know, I went on a road trip to move to California, basically took a week off. When I got to California, I was like, oh, man, I don't know. This mix kind of sounds lame. You know, like I was listening to it, and the band had kind of hit me back with notes, and they're like, yeah, we might want to remix it. Mm. I'm like, fuck, Okay. You know, those are the dreaded words. Yeah. And like, I'm hearing it myself and thinking like, fuck, man. Like, this is what it sounded like in the room? Like, what the hell happened, you yeah, know? Yeah. So anyway, I had my twin, like a twin duo. Mm. So not even a ton of plugins. Yeah, yeah. I had Logic Pro. Didn't even have Pro Tools at this point. <laughs> um, and a pair of Audio-Technica M48, yeah, M40X yeah. headphones. And uh, mixed it. On head, mixed a song from the record on headphones in Logic, sent that out to them. Like spent like two days trying to like really fucking get it great. Sent that to the band and they were like, "Dude, this sounds awesome. Like, <laughs> what did you do? What's the story? How did you, how did you do this?" And I was like, "Oh man, I mixed it on my fucking Mac Mini on headphones, you know." And they're like, "What?" So oh, I remixed God. the whole record, yeah, in headphones, and like. It came out badass, dude. That's like I realized, crazy. like I don't need this fucking equipment. I think if you make the decisions on the front end mm. and like be bold, yeah. make hardcore choices. Like EQ the shit out of shit if you feel like it needs it. Mm. That's what twelve plus twelve is for, dude. You know what I mean? There's a reason. Yeah. So, you know, like paint your picture, but then like once you're done, you don't really need to do much more. You can get like, like apparently all the Sly Stone records back in the day are all mixed on a monitor side mm. of a console, meaning all they had was a fader and a pan and that's it. So it's like the sound of the record is the way it was recorded, yeah. which is badass. So I, I kind of just like have started to adopt that mentality. I mean, my mix template is pretty intense, but it's built the way that it is so that I can have a lot of control once mm. I get things settled. And also so I can print stems and do like alternative mixes pretty quick, you know, within like I can run one pass on a mix and get an unmastered mix, a mastered mix, uh, um, no vocal mix, an all vocal mix and stems in one pass mm. for all instruments within the song. Okay. So it's like you need all that shit, boom, let it run once and that's it. You know Dang. what I mean? Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I don't really. You don't need the equipment, is what I'm saying, man. Yeah. You you really don't. Like, it's good to record in a great room with good mics, and like, obviously, your source material has to be good. Has to be a drip. good sounding drum kit. You have to be a good singer. You have to be a good guitar player playing through a good guitar through a good amp. 
But also, you really don't. Yeah. You don't really need to do that. Like, dude from Queens of the Stone Age, like, notoriously cuts all of his guitar shit through, like, a PV practice amp that's, like, this big. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's literally a guitar amp that, up until his interview with Mark Rosson recently, was a $50 guitar amp. And now Dang. they're upwards of, like, $800 on yeah. eBay and Reverb and shit like that. So, just be unique. Be yourself. You know, and just try. Just, yeah. like, go out and, like, do shit. Experiment. That's what's kind of badass about the whole digital thing. Because, mm. like, I love analog. But, like... And I've made analog records, too. And I totally love doing that. Mm. But it's a lot more... Uh, your hands are tied. You know, you, you can't really... You, have to, you can't be precious about anything. You have yeah. to let it be what it is. And be accepting of that. And know that, like, I gave it my best shot. Because there is no going back. But it's kind of badass cutting on tape, too, like doing all tape records, because bands will be like, um, I really liked that guitar solo, but I think I can do better. Mm. Can we try it again? And it's like, we can, but if you fucking hate this guitar solo, you're going to lose the one before. Yeah. You know, we're, we're cutting on the same track. I don't have any more tracks. Like, I could bounce this. You know what I'm saying? Like, we yeah, could yeah. bounce some stuff, but like, that's going to take like maybe a half hour. Like you're going to, you're going to be bored. Yeah. You know? So it's like the limitations put on the band and on the performers and stuff. I love that. That aspect about tape is great and recording analog is great, but the endless tweakability and the endless opportunity of digital is what's beautiful about it. But yeah. you have to have discipline. Yeah. You can't just like, I mean, I guess you fucking can. You can do whatever you want. Like, one of my favorite mixing engineers is Sean Everett. Are you okay. familiar with his work I'm at not. all? He's incredible, man. Um, he makes fucking gorgeous sounding albums. But apparently his, like, mix bus is, like, just, like, all plugins. Mm. Like, there's not a slot that's not used. And you might throw it through another bus and use 10 more inserts. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, like, insane, apparently. That, this is just what I've been told through friends that work with him and shit or, like, know of his workflow. Yeah. And I've heard that it's, like, pretty insane. So it's, like, there's no rules, you know. You can, like, you can use, you can put four inserts of the UAD Studer in a row yeah, yeah. if you want. You know what I mean? If you got the DSP for it. Yeah, 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 yeah if you got the coin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But, yeah, man, I mean, I, I love all the... All the facets of recording. Yeah. It's all art to me. Yeah. These yeah. are all tools for painting and creating. That's then creating is what I love to do the most. Yeah. That's what I tell people. I'm like, look, if you whatever you think is right is gonna be right. Like yeah. the first question I tell artists to ask yourself about a song is do you like it? Mm -hmm. Yes or no. Mm -hmm. If you do like it, all right, next question. Do you think other people like it, yes or no. Right. And then the, those those are feeling questions. Do you feel good about this? Yeah. Do you think other people will feel good about this? Right. Because at the end of the day, music, like, you, there's, there's no box to check with yeah. music, like, when it's done. Like, right. maybe stats, right. but no, like, oh, what mic did you use? Oh, you didn't use this mic? <laughs> Not going to make it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> totally, dude. It's all about feeling. It is. 100% Uptown Funk, man. That oh, shit was yeah. recorded on an SM57. <laughs> Bruno Mars's uh, story goes, they were all partying at Royal when mm. that was made. 
and uh, they were partying in the control room. Okay. And Bruno Mars was out on the floor, and he was like, man, fuck this. I want to come party with y'all. He's like, so hook me up, boo. So boo gives him an SM57, and he cuts majority of the vocals for that song in the control room on a 57, dude. So it's not about the gear. It's not about... You don't need a U forty seven. You don't need a Neumann anything. Yeah. You don't need a Telefunken anything. You can fucking, dude. I did a blind shootout one time with a. But this is with the Dirty Streets again on another record. We did a blind shootout of guitar mics mm-hmm. where we had like a ribbon mic, and I forget which ribbon mic it was. It was like a fancy one though. A fifty seven. A four twenty one, and a. $10 Radio Shack. <laughs> and which one do you think won? Probably that $10. <laughs> bar, bar none, dude. Hands down, everybody was like... it was. I, so oh, my friend Wesley no. Graham, shout out Wesley, love you, bro. He, uh, I made him label them A, B, C, D. He okay. was the only one who knew which mic was which. Yeah. And I, and so we listened to A. Just having a blast. We listened knowing. to B. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, he was grinning ear to ear because yeah. it was his Radio Shack mic too. Like, mm. so he was grinning ear to ear whenever we we just we all like, and it was we unanimously decided that that was the mic, dude. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, I think that's the fifty-seven. I think that's the four twenty-one, <laughs> and I think that's the th- the the ribbon, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if the ribbon or the or the Radio Shack, but either way. Yeah, twenty. And that's that's what's on the record is the the ten dollar twenty dollar Radio Shack mic, whatever that's it was. So, crazy. so super cheap. So it's like, you know, a good mic is great, and it's sh- especially on like singers and stuff. Mm. I feel like it's super important to have a good mic. Yeah, yeah. But these are good mics too, man. Yeah. These are these are fantastic mics. Yeah. I use these mics over, like Doug has, um, these Sony C thirty seven A's. Okay, yeah. And they're gorgeous sounding mics. They're fifties tube mics. Mm. Um, and he's got he's got two Telefunken two fifty ones too, but I've yet to oh. use those yet. Um, Let yeah. me know. <laughs> I love. I'm, I've I never can't wait to use one. Yeah, of those. I've used one once, but it wasn't the actually. It was yeah. It was on this record. This artist Don Quixote's horse. Their singer Ty. He brought his SM7 with him because that's what he usually records on. Mm. And I was like, dope, bring it because we might use it, you know? Okay. Uh, but Jeremy Horn, who had the studio that we recorded in here in Memphis, he has a sweet studio. You should have him on the podcast too, okay. man. He's awesome. Um, you should have like all these people that I'm talking yeah, about. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you with a little list. What later. I love about the yeah. podcast is I, there's a lot of people I haven't had on that other people have mentioned, but yeah. it's all recorded. So yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll give you a list for sure. Cause I know a ton of different people that would be really, okay. really awesome to have on. Um, so, but Jeremy, he's got a two fifty one clone. And I remember we tried the two fifty one. Is it has, the Bach? Yes. The Bach two fifty one. Oh man. So, you know, UA bought them. What really? UA bought Bach. No like, shit. Like two or three years ago. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So they uh, they so re- are they manufacturing for Bach now? That's what that's what I don't think we know that yet. Yeah, so gotcha. They have uh, the two fifty one. Or do they um, just own the license? Yeah. So you know they they bought um, was it Bach and there's another company. Whoa. Shoot, I can't remember. But um, yeah, so anyways, there's a 251, I think a U67 clone, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. a U87. That's okay. the three that Bach 
I guess made. You know, yeah. Here you go, UA. So yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, those. That's the three right now. So yeah, he's Anyways. got he's got one of those, the Bach two fifty ones, a U sixty seven, like a newer one. Mm-hmm. Which I love those bikes. Those are fantastic bikes. Yeah, yeah. Lots of experience using those. Um, and then he's got. I forgot what. Oh, he's a Coles forty thirty eight mm. ribbon mic, fantastic okay. sounding mic. Um, and then the SM seven, and the SM seven beat them all. Wow, you know four hundred dollar mic over yeah, yeah. like a eight thousand dollar tube clone or whatever, whatever yeah. it fucking costs. I don't even know. Honestly. Yeah, but um, but Doug's got he's got two of those, and story goes that he bought them off of uh, a family who had a church. And his wife, when she was working at a steakhouse in the 90s, overheard them talking about how they were selling equipment. Mm. And she put Doug and them together. And then Doug went out there and apparently bought them for, like, next to nothing, dude. Oh, my God. I don't want to say how much because it's, like, I'm sure he wants to keep that a secret. Embarrassingly low. (laughs) Yeah, a lot, but a lot of. His gear was like that because mm. he, he, that was the 90s, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. he had the eye and the savvy to go out there and find that stuff. But he's also got an uh, AKG C2 or AKG C24, okay. which is a stereo version of the C12. Oh. And I use that all the time for vocals, and that okay. mic sounds amazing. Um, Have you ever used a Townsend? Townsend? Yeah. No, the cloning. They yeah. do like the modeling. Uh-uh, but I've heard they're badass, though. I've got yeah. one of those. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, word. Yeah. Dude, we should do a fucking test. We could do shootouts all day. Yeah, I we mean. should do a shootout with the, with, two, with the 251s and then the C12. I'm down. And I bet there's a Sony C37A clone in that thing, too. I think there is, um, but I think it's... Uh, so I've got I've got all the Townsend mics, which word. are... Yeah. I want to say, like, maybe... Maybe like twenty something mics. Cool. Yeah. I think it's close to thirty. But then you um Bill Putnam, who yeah. started Universal Audio. Right. Um, he's got a line of clones through the towns. It's like his own plugins. And then um Oceanways has Word. their set of Townsend uh plugins. Mic locker or whatever, yeah. But um it's probably that C thirty seven A is probably in one of those three, yeah. but I can't remember which one. I mean it's a pretty I'd never used used one before going to Doug's, but apparently they're like pretty highly regarded. It blows my mind how good it sounds. Yeah. Um, do you know who Jay? Oh, his name is Jason Song or something like that. Uh-uh. He's NBA Youngboy's like gotcha. main engineer. Okay. Yeah. He does. I think NBA Youngboy and um, maybe Young Thug or somebody. Yeah. Yeah. But um, he. Says that he uses the like when he's on the road, he yeah. uses a, a twin X and yeah. the um and the Townsend, yeah. And he said one time, um, he had to do a mashup because I think NBA Youngboy was um doing a song with somebody and he had to like bring over the vocals, yeah, um, that were already you know already been recorded or whatever, so. So he, he had to like match it with another mic, basically. He was trying yeah. to match it with yeah. the C800. Word. And so he used the um, the clone in the in the yeah. Townsend. He used that plug-in. Yeah. And he said it sounded basically the same. Damn. See, that's exciting to me. Yeah. Because like, there's some part of it that I'm like, what's this magic? Yeah. You know, I don't trust this. But I'm also highly interested in that because like, 
I don't want to spend $20,000 on a fucking mic. Yes. Like, I could use that money in a lot of other ways, dude. Anything else. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, god damn, there's a lot of things I could do for myself with $20,000 that would be way more beneficial than owning a fucking microphone. Yeah. You know? But that stuff is cool because I, I do love those those tools and I do love the, the shit that they bring to the table. And yeah. I do feel like it, it is important to match the right mic with the singer. That was the other company that Universal Audio bought. Townsend? Townsend. Word. Yeah. So they own Townsend and Bach. Yeah. So, the, I mean, they the, the mic already was perfect for like a Twin X. Because yeah. it's, yeah, it's yeah. a stereo mic. Right. So right. You oh, that's ha- right. Yeah, There's you two need, inputs. You right. need the two inputs. Because so, it's like the front capsule and the back capsule. Exactly. Yeah, right. So, and then they had the UA plug-in. So mm-hmm. it it already was a, a match made in heaven. For right. Them. So yeah. they were like, all right, yeah, we'll just buy you. Wow. And... Yeah, I had no idea when I found out that UA was coming out with microphones. So they came out with yeah, a clone of this. Yeah. It's called the SD1. Yeah. And then uh, they came out with the box. And Oh, well, somebody had mentioned, because I was like, um, yeah, UA needs to buy Townsend. Uh-huh. And, then the, and I think that Drew from UA, I, yeah. I mentioned this, on, he was like, yeah, we we uh like, <laughs> we did. He's like we already did that. Yeah. And then somebody <laughs> meant like somebody in the chat had mentioned um, about Bach. Yeah. And I was like, what? Wow. And they were like, yeah, they bought them like two or three years ago. And I was wow. like, oh my God. But um, yeah, That's they're making sick, moves. Man. I really hope their next move is either the console thing yeah. or speakers. I think that'd that would be, be pretty cool. Yeah. Just be because I think they could do cool stuff with it. Yeah. If they just come out with some random speakers that are just expensive because it's UA, yeah. that doesn't phase me. Like, yeah. I'll just go buy. You know, we got Adams downstairs. Yeah, I really love the way those sound, man. I'll go get some Adams yeah. or um, I listen. I went to, um, what's it call it? Vintage King mm-hmm. in Nashville. Yeah. And I listened to a ton of different speakers. I went there knowing 100% that you were going to buy some Adams. Yeah. Not Adams, no. Oh, really? I went there knowing 100% I was going to love um, the Neumanns. Okay. Have you yeah. seen the Neumanns? I, have, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm going to love the Neumanns. Yeah. I didn't like them. Really? They sounded really dark yeah. and weird sounding. Uh-huh. I, I played rock music on them, mm-hmm. and I played rap music, and I didn't like either one. But the ones that actually blew me away were the Focals. It was a certain type of Focals. Do you remember which one it was? I don't even remember. Was it the trios? It might have been. Are the trios the only ones that have like the 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 tweeter, the, like the high, and then the mid, and, and mm-hmm. then a subwoofer? They're a three-way that like you can turn... On the side, or like they can stand vertically or horizontally, okay. and you can like turn the actual like. I, I don't even remember inside, which one it yeah. was. I took pictures and videos, so cool. I can I can probably look at it. But um, yeah, they they blew me away. I was like, these sound good on rock music. They sound yeah. good on rap music. Anything. It yeah. just sounded amazing. I feel like when you can't hear the speaker, that's when you know, like oh, it's I a great yeah, yeah. it's a great speaker. It just sounds flat. Just sounds. Well, it just sounds like like you're not hearing the coloration of the box. Mm -hmm. You're not hearing like a weird filter. You're just like immersed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you're instantly there and in that shit. And that's how I feel about those atoms. I love the way those atoms sound, man. Uh, Also, have you heard of Head? Or I think it's Head. Uh-uh. It's H E D D. Oh, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For so sure. when I was at Ventures King, the yeah. guy there actually explained it to me. Yeah. He, I was like, these look just like Adams. He was like, well. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened was the uh, there was a guy that worked for Adams 
and he was like, um, yeah, we should, uh, we should do this, we should do that. And they were like, no, no, mm. we're not going to do that. He was like, we could really make better speakers if we did this stuff. Interesting. And they were like, no. So he, he improved on it. He left Adam and started his own company, and that's Whoa. what Head is. No shit. Yeah. Are they pretty budgetary friendly? They are actually, I think, more expensive than Adam's. Word. But I think they sound way better no than shit. Adam's. No and, shit. Um, they look they look exactly the same. They've got that same like ribbon tweeter. Mm-hmm. They're both yeah. black with the gold ribbon tweeter. Front ported and all that. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. They all they sound, I think, better than Adams. And they look very similar. So yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. My buddy John just got some Adams. He was like rocking the Yamahas before the HS eights. Yeah, that's what I got at home. Yeah, HS eights. And, I, and I, I think I think they sounded good in the context of his room, but he wasn't happy with them, so he swapped them for the Adams. And now that he's got those in there, I'm like, damn, these actually do sound pretty yeah. fucking great, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've been using uh, Cali Ion eights for a while. Okay, like I've heard those last. are pretty good. They're cool. Yeah, I I, I really like it for the price. Mm-hmm. But now that I've been at Doug's and I've been using other speakers, I really feel like they, uh, you know, they're they're still powered speakers, man. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I can hear, I feel like I can hear the box. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a coloration happening going on there, like that I don't hear with NS10s or that I don't hear with uh, like. Uh, Larger speakers, yeah, like yeah. soffited speakers, like JBLs or like uh, Lecture Voice or something like that, or Altex. Like I feel like I can't really hear that shit when I'm. Li- yeah, and I, I listen on bigs, but I listen low. Mm. You know, um, but I've never heard ATCs. I've never heard Amphions, so I don't know what those sound like. You know, I've heard um, shoot something Osberg. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of those? Mm-hmm. I listened to those at um, For You Recording, the Made in Memphis. Yeah, totally. Yeah. They they sounded pretty good. Um, they're massive speakers. Yeah. And um, we actually, so Ryan, um, he was mixing off of the Focals. And at one point I asked him, I was like, um, yo, you should try out the Focals. Yeah. And he was like, that's what I'm using right now. I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> I thought he was you on the Osbergs. Yeah, hell yeah. But he was on the Focals. That's when you like, know oh, it's God. really good. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. So, I mean, so everybody I've talked to that had certain Focals, I don't know what they had. Yeah. Um, they said that you like you literally have to have a sub. Yeah. The, the, even the Got guy you. at Vintage King was like, yeah, you need a sub with these Focals. You, you, you have to so have Just one. give it more headroom or something? I guess they just didn't have like good bass presence huh. in the certain kind of focales. But the huh. ones that I listened to when I was there that I really liked, um, he was like, "Yeah, those those are way different. Those are fine. Like yeah. you don't need a sub for those. Those yeah, are yeah. great." But um, other people that I've talked to, I don't know if it's like the six point fives or yeah, uh, what is it called? The alphas. Yeah, I can't remember uh, who I talked to who had them, but they were like, "Yeah, you, you got to have a sub." Yeah, I mean. I try to not listen with a sub on. Yeah. Like whenever I'm working, I, I will with NS10s just because they roll off so fast. Yeah. But I feel like you, you get like uh, misinformation mm-hmm. through the sub sometimes. Yeah. It you can be misleading. I mean? It can. It's very hard, and I feel like it's a, it's like you're adding a third speaker into the two mm-hmm. into the equation. So it's kind of like 
the crossover and the phase cancellation that's happening. It has to be right to for it to make sense. You know what yeah. I mean? So, but yeah, I've mostly been listening. I don't even know what model they are, but they're JBL something or another's over at Doug's, and they're like these soffited. I, I they're like listening. two fifteen speakers and then a horn. Okay. And they sound fucking awesome, dude. I was listening to a uh, Bobby Osinski podcast, and the guy that he had on is some magnificent mastering engineer. Yeah. And he was like, JBLs. That's what I listened to. Yeah. JBLs cool. is always what I've always used, always will use. Yeah. And I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. Because <laughs> most people are like, barefoots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like barefoots at all. I listened to one pair of barefoots at yeah. Vintage King and didn't like them. Yeah. And then the guy there was like, uh, it's the room. Yeah. He was like, you got to have the right room. That's true. No, that's 100% true because yeah. my friend Jeremy Horn has some micro mains or something. Mm-hmm. He's got some kind of speaker. I forget what it's called. And they sound fucking awesome mm-hmm. in his room. But I've listened to that same speaker in other rooms and been like, that's a weird. I don't like that. You know. Um, me and Ryan went to, gosh, what's the name of that studio? And uh, it's in Nashville. Um, Gray Box. Gray Box. I never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, you have to check that. I'll show you some their Instagram or whatever. But, yeah. Um, we went to Gray Box and the guy there had barefoots and just like was sounded beautiful. Oh really? It just <laughs> they just it was hit. magnificent. Yeah. And I was like. All right, yeah, it was the room. The guy, Vintage King, was right. It's, the it's room. totally the room, man. Yeah, yeah, because I think my buddy Calvin Lauber has some barefoots now. I forgot. No, maybe he got Focals. I think he got Focals actually. I've heard of Calvin's name. There's, so, yeah. okay. So I don't know if you. I probably didn't really introduce myself to you, but yeah, I'm I'm from Alabama. Oh, really? Yeah, I moved cool. here in 2019. No shit. Okay, yeah, cool. So I'm like. Low key, like stalking everybody. <laughs> so, like, when I see somebody, yeah. and I see them like tag other people in pictures, yeah. or like mention other people. Yeah, I'm like, oh, who's this person? Yeah. So, for I've, sure, I've seen Calvin's name. I've yeah. seen him in pictures and stuff, but I don't, I don't, I haven't, I don't have a clue who he is. So, yeah. So Calvin is a he and I ran Young Ave together for okay. a long time uh, okay. prior to the sale, and then. We also roped in another person named Blair Davis. He became the studio manager. Okay. Because he, Calvin and I were kind of like sharing the duties, mm. but it like became too much for just two people. Mm. So we were like, we should bring in another person to help like strictly do scheduling. Okay. St- strictly be the studio manager. Yeah, yeah. So that he can delegate sessions to us and we can bring in our own shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because that studio, being a commercial studio, got a lot of people calling in. You know, random random hours, like, hey, can I get a three-hour session for whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, but Calvin, he's a couple years younger than me, but we we had, like, kind of the same trajectory, just, like, suburban kids who were in, in bands in high school and beyond, and then that kind of just, like, turned into production and stuff. But he works with Julian Baker, and he plays with her now, too, okay. on the road. Um and he works at Memphis Magnetic now. He's, okay. he's one of the staff engineers over there. Nice. He's a wonderful person, super knowledgeable about a lot of stuff, and also just like overall has fucking phenomenal taste when it comes to like sonic palettes. Okay. You know what I mean? He's he's a badass. You should definitely interview him. Okay. Dope. Um, but yeah, but the speaker shit, man. I mean, it. You know, and I feel like I don't know if how much this plays into it. People hear differently. Yeah. You know, yeah. everybody's like, 
the way we interpret noise, everybody's different. So I feel like certain speakers resonate with certain people, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the beauty of it, the variety. Especially if you have tinnitus. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Dude, no doubt. I was, man, okay, so I bought some THCO edibles last night Okay. At the, the uh, fucking spot by the studio mm. last night, and the guy was like, he was like, these are pretty heavy duty, man. You know, you might want to, you know, just take one. <laughs> and I was like, sure, motherfucker. <laughs> I used to live in California, you know, like, all right. And then I took, I took two. So, so I took two. I took two and I was laying on the couch and I was like watching TV and all of a sudden I heard uh, this kind of like ringing coming on and I was mm. like, oh my God, is that tinnitus? <laughs> I was like, is that going to be all night? I was oh, like, am I not going to be able to fall asleep? Man. Yo, it was my refrigerator. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, dude? Oh, man. That's <laughs> it crazy. was my refrigerator just making some weird noise. Oh, but I man. thought it was tinnitus. Yeah, yeah. I do have a little bit, but very, very minimal. I'm so thankful that I I now respect the shit out of my hearing. Yeah. I used to not. Yeah. Like being on tour, I used to stand in front of like a full stack of like speakers and just like play loud as shit. Yeah. And now I just like. If it's too much, I will exit the room or mm. like find earbuds or I mean earplugs or something. Yeah. But I and I I like love silence and like downtime. Mm. I respect the shit out of that. Yeah, somebody um they said in a like a podcast or something I listened to, they were like, Yeah, you only get one pair of ears. Mm-hmm. And I I was like, That is true. That is true. <laughs> you can't fix them. Once you yeah. fuck them up, you can't fix them, dude. Yeah, that's so like I hope. That's the one thing that like yeah. cancer yeah. fix ears. Yeah. Like <laughs> keep my ears healthy. Yeah. Because... I will say that, man, like over the pandemic, not going to shows has helped me. Mm. Like I feel like I can hear clearer now. Okay. Because I'm not constantly being just like barraged by sonic you yeah, know, yeah. like excessive volume. Um I did go to a metal show recently where I was in the crowd and I like was in the back and it sounded cool. Like it mm. sounded fine. It wasn't too loud, but but it was kind of like not enough. Like I was like, I think I can move up and fucking like feel it. You know what I mean? So my friend's band started playing and uh, I moved up pretty close. Mm. Like kind of like at the apex yeah. of like front of house or whatever. And dude, they started playing and I, within three seconds, I fucking turned around and walked the fuck out of there because my ears were starting to like shake oh. and I could like feel the pressure and shit. Oh my God. And I was like, dude, this is not cool. This is not fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. So I had to get the fuck out. And then all night, I was just like, dude, did I damage my earring? Did I, did I damage yeah, my earring? Yeah, that's just- <laughs> Am I gonna am I gonna like wake up tomorrow and be like yes. fuzzy in an ear? Yeah. Like I was freaking out kind of. Turned out to be totally fine. But yeah. But it, I've I've definitely res- learned to respect myself oh, and like respect man. my listening environment because it can be crazy. But um, but hey, back to the listening thing. How was that? That was cool. It was you said it was like super informative the oh, listening yeah. lab thing. Oh yeah, yeah. you should. Um, you Dude, should Jeff is the man. Jeff, Jeff, and Matt are like incredible. Yeah, yeah. Jeff I, is like, he, you should have him on the podcast too, man. Yeah, I I, I actually introduced myself to both of them and invited cool. them on. Um, yeah, I. I'm glad that I waited so long to to actually try. Like, I I got my my wife scheduled on my podcast. Yeah. So, um, I got her to try to get Matt on a while. Like, I think it was 
it was either the end of 2020. I yeah. think it was the end of 2020, actually. Yeah. I was thinking it was the end of last year, but I think it was the end of 2020. But um, they said he was super busy, and I was like, all right, cool, whatever. Yeah, he's a super busy guy. There's yeah. so many people I want to have on here that are obviously just super busy, like Boo Mitchell and, yeah, for and sure. Matt and yeah, stuff. But for sure. um, I'm not – I don't take no for an answer, yeah. but I also respect – people who were actually busy yeah. and who actually just can't do it. So I'm just totally. like, all right, cool. If if it happens, it happens. Totally. So it just so happened that I got an email about the listening or no, I saw it on Instagram yeah. that they were doing the listening lab. Yeah. And I was like, cool, free, I'm there. Yeah. So I showed up and Your network. Per- perfect yeah. situation, just introduce myself, shake a hand. Totally. And I was like, hey man, uh, I know Victor Sawyer and yeah. him and Victor are close. Yeah, totally. And um and I've and I watched his pure mix and stuff yeah. like that. So I was like, just telling him about that. He was like, Yeah, yeah, I love, I love to come on. Yeah, I was like, totally. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah, Matt is super humble and super nice. Yeah, he's a man. I I love what is happening with his studio. Absolutely. Like that is going to be the shit. Have you seen it yet? I'm not in person. Yeah. I've seen pictures, but cool. not in person. I haven't seen it in its current state, like built out and stuff. But I, I got the chance to like go in there when they were like still running conduit through the walls and shit. Mm. So it was like only, really the only live room had been built out. Okay. But I was like, man, this is fucking so cool. This is going to be a world-class studio. Yeah. That is like just like purpose built by this man, you know? And uh, it just continues to the legacy of Memphis and like the, the trademark that we have as a place in a city. So where you're from Alabama. Where are you from in Alabama originally? I'm like northeast Alabama, so it's called Aniana is the okay, name of cool. the city. Yeah. It's like an hour north of Birmingham. Okay, cool. Is that near the Shoals? No, that is probably like... Well, that's, north, that's more northwest. Yeah, yeah, it's probably like an hour 30 from where I'm from. Word. Okay, yeah. word. Cool. Yeah. yeah. What brought you to Memphis? Work. I okay, actually cool. work at um, Owens Corning. No, you don't. Oh, no yeah, shit. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's... um. I do like automation there, so cool. yeah. uh, basically it's like working with like PLCs, computers, robots, stuff. Gotcha. Like that. I know completely different from. That. Yeah, that's cool <laughs> though. It's, yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, um, but there are some similarities. So like, yeah, um, I had to explain to somebody what a high pass filter was because at when work, you're, yeah, yeah, when you're working with um, just like the frequencies of. Um, like elect electricity and stuff like that, you know, um, drives, yeah, like a drive for a motor, yeah, it works in frequency. So right. usually you're going from like zero to maybe like sixty hertz or something like that. Um, it's it's just that speed of that motor. It's how yeah. fast it's going. That's the voltage um, that regulates, right? Correct. Yeah, the speed. Yeah. And then uh, you could put a high pass filter on that, or Got you could you. do low pass. You know, stuff like that. Interesting. Or yeah. if you're working with a like a probe or a gauge, uh, yeah. trying to measure like how much um, materials in a tank, you could do like a low pass, high pass filter with that. Interesting. And they were like, "What is that?" And I was like, "Aha! <laughs> I know this one. <laughs> I know what these things are." So, Dude, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's there's you know definitely similarities. I, you know, I have to I do computer programming, so I work with bits. Cool. And so you know we we deal with you know sixteen, twenty four, thirty two. Yeah. Uh, cool. I know what I know what uh, float is because yeah. I, I have to deal with that. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, most of the music you're listening to is in like forty four point one kilohertz and uh, sixteen bit. Right. But. Um, you know, there's a thing called 32-bit float, 
And right. so float means that you've got more more room to play yeah, with. Yeah, more basically. headroom, more yeah. digital headroom. And uh, I have yeah. to deal with that in, yeah. in computer programming as well. Gotcha. So it's yeah. it's, it's kind of like they have nothing to do with, with each other, but at the same time they do. They they're, do. They're they definitely similar. do. And yeah, that like going to back to that, like all the equipment that we use in the studio, like literally all that shit was, was at one point war machine materials, mm. you know, like the amplifiers that we used to, to mic up our, mm-hmm. or to gain up our microphones. Those were used compressors. Those things were used in the war to get like the strongest signals and communications. Oh. And like a lot of like, uh, there's a there's a lot of similarities between aircraft mechanic shit or I'm sorry aircraft uh, engineering and electrical audio studio engineering yeah, like yeah. a lot they're like they share a lot of similarities so it just kind of it's always funny like to think like oh we're using these highly sophisticated operative like mechanisms to yeah. just make like dumbass music <laughs> <laughs> like this was used to probably like you know decimate some fucking like whatever i don't even know you know what i mean it was used for something and here we are just like running a bass guitar through it yeah <laughs> but dude i actually have to wrap this up yeah um, that's okay yeah it's been phenomenal yeah talking totally. to you yeah, yeah what time is it right now it's like 8 40 something yeah, yeah i've cool, got cool. um i've got somebody coming in who wants to oh, record they actually cool. want to learn how to engineer and stuff oh so, sick yeah, yeah. so um I, th- I thought that'd be kind of fun to, yeah. to teach them that totally but, man uh I want to actually end this kind of early so that we can go down and play with some the uh, the plugins. And stuff I'm super I, down. I, yeah, uh, we actually have a U89 downstairs. So cool. I don't know if you've ever used one of those, Mm-mm. but no. it's, it's different than the 87. I think it's better. But how is it? Is it like uh... the the SPL? The sound pressure level is yeah. higher. Okay, cool. Um, the noise floor is lower. Cool. So it's probably it's, transformerless. It's stuff, like yeah. everything's better than the eighty-seven, but yet yeah, people just. I it's guess, the same capsule and shit, probably. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I I don't know. I have to look that up. Interesting. Yeah. But um, I yeah. Love so eighty-seven. Yeah. Give everybody like uh, information about you, how they can find you, uh, if they want to record with you, all that yeah. good stuff. Um. Only hit me up on Instagram. Um. That's the only place you can find me. <laughs> I don't have Facebook. Do you have I a website? Get, Nope, I don't have a website. I don't get my phone number out. (laughs) I don't do any of that shit. If you want to work with me, come find me. I'm at Let's Jump In on Insta. That's it. There's no other way to get in touch with me. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. Uh, Anything you need to promote? You were talking about your friends earlier, all the music they've done. You got some stuff out that you want to... Let me think. Man, you usually post stuff like when you've like yeah, mixed it. And- that's why that's why I say come find me on Insta because that's kind of like the funnel that everything goes through. Like yeah, whenever yeah. I'm, you know, something that I've worked on gets released, or whenever uh, I'm hyping somebody up, mm-hmm. or just getting the general word out, it's all through that. Like okay. I, I don't really participate in any other social media. I don't have Snapchat, Twitter. I don't have Facebook. I don't have any of that. I feel like I feel like that whole side of the world is a little bit um, like. It can be toxic and yeah. kind of bad for your mental health. Absolutely. And, you know, I feel like in the in the end of it, like Instagram is kind of like the best platform for me yeah. to promote my stuff. Okay. I feel like it puts me the most connected to my, you know, peers and constituents and mm-hmm. potential clients too. Okay. Um, and it shows everybody like at, at like one point of contact, there's photos of what I do. And then within that, I have a link of, to a Spotify playlist that has – 
you know, just a running list of like a bunch of different releases that I've worked on, uh, whether it's like I recorded it, I mixed it, I mastered it or all three. Okay. And it's all chronological too. So there's no like, you know, favoritism in that. Uh, so you can just go on there and listen like by the, by least, by most recently released. Okay. And, and just kind of go down from that point. But on my Insta, it has like, um, I think you can get, in touch with me on my phone. Mm. I think you can call or text through Insta. Okay. And I think you can definitely email me through Insta too. Mm. But I just tell people to go there because I don't have a website. I don't really like to give out my personal phone number. Mm. Um, just because I'm not the type of person, like if we're going to work together, we're going to work together in a capacity that comes together naturally and organic, yeah. organically. Either somebody's going to refer you to me or I'm going to meet you in a place yeah. that's going to make... Since I don't really fuck with people cold calling me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's just not who I am. That's not the engineer that I am. That's not the studio that I run. Yeah. Um, eventually, we will get to the point where the studio will have a website. Or I've had a website in the past, but it never really did anything for me. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's just me and my like ignorance of not knowing technology well enough to like, you know, market myself no, well. No, Different but, strokes for different folks. But I, I just feel like... Uh, a grassroots effort of like being out there, like you know this, be, going and meeting people, being on the street, and just like faces. Yes, like establishing rapport with people mm. is so much more valuable than just like being on the internet. Yeah, that's important, but I don't want to live on the internet. I like to live in the real life, and that's just me being like a thirty-five-year-old dude. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just that's just the cut that I'm from. Yeah. So, but I I do use social media, i.e. Instagram to still promote and market my stuff too at the same time. Cause like my Instagram is exclusively the studio stuff. Okay. Like I very rarely post any kind of like personal, personal stuff. Yeah. If I do, it's just like something silly. You yeah. know what I mean? It's never anything like heavy. Okay. You know, or like serious about my life. Yeah. yeah. I keep all that pretty private. <laughs> well, all right. Well again, thank you man for coming on. Thanks um, for having me dude. Yeah. Everybody. Sorry. We're about to go play with music stuff and, hell yeah uh, and do some cool <laughs> stuff but but yeah i look forward to doing more stuff with you in the future absolutely right. would love to man for real thank cool. you but all right uh thank for everybody for tuning in and we'll see you next time adios